everybody, and welcome to a new edition of the award-winning Talking About Cars, where it's all about everybody has a car story, even celebrities and car personalities. I'm Randy Cardoon. It was 1973 when teen lovebird Stephen Laurie cruised Central California in a white 1958 Chevy Impala, while John drove his yellow 32 Ford. Kurt pined for a blonde in a 56 T-Bird, and the movie American Graffiti hit the screens. Coming up, we're going to talk with Candy Clark, who played Debbie in the film. She was the one who hung out with Charles Martin Smith, who drove Ron Howard's 58 Chevy later in the film. And our pal Fireball Tim joins us for what to get the car guys, car gals, and even car kids for the holidays in our Plug Away segment. But first, when you think of police cars in America, you naturally think of the Ford Crown Victoria. Since the 1980s, Crown Vicks have served police departments, sheriff's departments, and other government agencies like a trusted employee. It was big. It went fast. Did I mention it was big? Now, the irony. It's also the car some teenagers and 20-somethings are buying as their very first car. Why? Chase Rubin is part of a car club called Ventura County Vicks. Well, it kind of started as um, a bunch of guys loving um, Crown Vicks, old cop cars, stuff like that. And uh, the more we got into it, the more uh, other people started rolling around with stuff like the Satellite or like that Caprice. You know, just guys who like beat down very cheap, supposedly fast cars. And, uh, you know, we just enjoy cruising, cruising around, modifying them when we can, you know, um, Getting into the hobby on the cheap is kind of the main thing. I'm curious, tell me the truth. Are these things you could pick up for like 5000 bucks. Brutally honest, I was completely broke and it was $800. And then... How many miles on it? I had had 64,000 miles. For 800 bucks. For 800 bucks, Then that is the glory of the Panther chassis cars. They're worthless. No matter what way you look at it, nobody wants to pay over $1,000 for them, no matter what miles they got or anything on them. So. Grief. And now, do you know the background of your the one you bought? My car was actually not a police car. It was a Hertz rental car, um, which I didn't even know until about six, seven months after owning it. But, you know, just saw it on the side of the road, and it said for sale. And I offered him 800 bucks, and that was that. Wow, Hertz is getting rid of them in weird and different ways, aren't they? <laughs> <laughs> well, it was a Hertz, it was a Hertz uh, before I was alive and kicking. Oh, okay. They're cool cars. They... Um, it's the last traditional V8 full-frame, two-ton American car made. And what's cool about at least the last two generations of them is they have the modern, you know, Mustang GT, quote-unquote, engine. So the modern capabilities are there. If you wanted, you can actually have them put down power. Example, that one over there, which is laying over 400 of the wheels. Uh, this is the non-poverty example. But, well, nice paint job. Now, so the engine in this, obviously, you got a supercharger in it. you got all sorts of other things. How much of this is probably the engine it came with? Well, uh, this, I take it it's a police interceptor, right? This is not. This is actually a Mercury Marauder owned by Chris Adams of ADTR. Uh, he actually builds these kits for these cars. He also builds them for the, uh, this is a four-valve 4.6, which made uh, around 300 stock. The uh, two-valve, which is what most Crown Vicks have, including the police interceptor, made, made about between 200 and 250 stock. And he offers, offers supercharger kits and other upgrades for those as well. It's kind of a one-stop shop for making your uh, slow car fast. But uh, 
that that's when you finally break out of the uh, poverty spec barrier of these cars. Let's take a look at a car from the back end, too, because I think that's kind of... Because of the way the sun is and all that, I want to give you the full effect of what this is all about. Now, this, for all intents and purposes, aside from the fact it says Marauder in the back, it, it pretty much looks like, and, and of course, the Mercury insignia right there. It, it does it pretty much basic, basically everything. With the so car. this one is yours here. This is mine, uh, dirty and all. Um, it. This is just some old lady's car that was green and very ugly, and I had it painted, and of course spent a lot of money making it what it is today. But it's a fun car. And this is a what? 19. This is a '96. Um, this is the um, aero body style they call it. Um, it's 3,700 pounds and change versus the later ones, which can go up to 4,400. So these are lighter cars. Uh, the front suspension isn't as good as the newer ones, so it's kind of a Pick your battles, what, what what you want to deal with. The new ones are faster. These are slower, but... So, and the crazy part about it is when you take a look at these, basically, aside from maybe some placement of window glass and a few other things, this is basically the same car Ford has been putting together, I want to say, since the mid-'80s. They, um, they launched this body style in 92, but the Panther chassis itself uh, was launched in 79 and was made all the way to 2011, uh, with major changes, but it was still the same chassis. The... Um, the fenders and doors and other components from 92 to 2011 will bolt on with no no issues. It's the same car, same transmission family, engine family, it's all the same. They uh, really milked this car until uh, government regulations killed it. Now, now, you say government regulations. What did they... This So this body style ended when? Just recently? In 2011. They killed the um, whole platform. Weren't the police cars still available for a long time? Uh, civilian sales stopped in 2000. 2007 was the last year you could go out and buy a Crown Vic. Um, they still made the Grand Marquis and the Town Car in the same chassis for civilians all the way up to the end. But the police could get the Crown Vic all the way to 2011. Then they uh, Ford pushed the Explorer, Interceptor, and the Taurus and all that, which um, depends on who you talk to. I don't like nearly as much. They'd... They've got all sorts of problems with all that, uh, carbon monoxide yeah. and all that. And then the water pump where you have to pull the engine and all that stuff. It's yeah. they And then they're unibody, so they lack the total destruction capability of the full-frame car where you could smack through a center block wall and fix it and have it on the road the next day. And that and that and that's why we're into these cars, uh, is you can do whatever you want to them. You can buy one that was you know practically wrapped around a telephone pole, go to the junkyard and have it fixed the next day. You know, a lot of parts, in other words. A lot of parts. A lot of cheap, cheap parts. You can get these whole cars for $200 all day. If you go look and you'll find one. That's amazing. All right, so now whose is this? This is yours? Okay, let me let me talk to you real quick. What's your name? Julian. Julian? Yes, sir. Tell us, tell us the story of this car. Well, I got it seven years ago. and uh, What was it? It was an LAPD Crown Victoria homicide unit. It did not look like this when I got it. Uh, we put a lift on it. We put 31-inch tires. Uh, it's got sirens, got lights, got CB radio, ham radio. As you can see, the roof rack. So it's just a little desert vehicle, adventure vehicle. Did you take it out in the desert? Oh yeah, I have. For the <laughs> you said, oh yeah. The past four years, I've been going to desert, Pismo Beach, Gorman, OHV, Roar Flats. I'm all over the place. So I go wherever I can make it. Make sure there's a truck with me though. Chase said that, that this is like these things are really cheap. How much did you buy this for? This was $2,300 in 2010. And uh, I've done no major 
fixes on it. So. And how many miles did it have on it? I had 70k when I got it. That's yeah. like the steel of the century. I've put 100k on it right now. We're at 174. I have a blown head gasket though, so we're gonna have to do a motor swap because it overheats. So. Which I would imagine, because of the parts out there, is probably easy. Yeah, I mean, easy enough. They're they're pretty easy to work on, I guess. We actually. Um, found a part out car and split the drivetrain. He got the motor, I got the trans. I think we're in at $100 a pop and we fixed both our cars. Yeah, I got a full motor, all accessories, so crazy cheap. And, so, uh, so your club was just doing its thing at 23, basically Crown Vicks, and then all of a sudden interlopers showed up. Tell me about how that worked, Chase. Well, after a while, people tend to get bored of the um, slow, overweight Crown Vic, so they go out and buy cars. You know, this is a V6, despite the owner does not want me to disclose that, it's a V6 charger, and it makes more, uh, significantly more power than us, it's faster than us, uh, it's just not the, the cheap full frame smash into anything car, but it's still a police car, so it's got the same basic feel, so it fits into our club. And of course, the coup de gras, we have to show this. This is the coup de gras car. This looks like something that came out of Adam 12. And it's got all the stuff. I mean, you take a look at this. This has got to be, I want to say, a 72, 73, 71. I might be wrong. He got this car out of a field and literally drove it home. And has been driving it constantly ever since. It, um, it's a 318. Uh, he threw a gas tank in it because the old one was smashed up and only held like five gallons or something ridiculous. Uh, it... It takes a fair share of abuse, obviously. It's basically your fundamental cop car. It's got the mesh in the back. Take a look inside. It's got all the stuff you really need, and it's green. This is the original paint. It's not It's not a police package car. Looks like a it, Forest Service a, or something like that? It's, I can't be certain what it was. I, I'm not the best listener, but it's, it's a service package. It doesn't have you know the big rear end, the big motor, the big wheels, brakes, all that but um, it is a service package car. I've got to tell you, though, the one thing that's impressive about this is the fact not only do you guys have a club made of cars like this, but the fact that, let's face it, the, the classic car community is aging. There's a lot of older dudes like myself that are, like, into these classic cars. You guys, well, how old are you? I'm 19. Okay, there you go. That's basically expresses what I mean. You guys and your club members are going to be the guy that leads the uh, car clubs and uh, the classic car industry in the in the years to That's come. Exactly, we're keeping like the the last of the traditional American cars because we can't go out and buy a '57 Chevy and make a gasser out of it anymore. Uh, you know, we can't buy a '69 Camaro, we can't buy a Chevelle. It's all out of our price range. These are the cars that we can't afford, so we do what we can with them. You know, they may not they might may not look as cool or perform you know as they did back in the day, but it is what it is, and we're continuing the hobby. And it, it, it's a fun trip. You guys are located in Ventura County. Uh, Ventura County, but we spend most of our time out here or really anywhere. Um, uh, how many cars do you have? Uh, how many guys? Uh, it depends on the meet. We get a, we get a few new cars every meet. A few guys sell their cars every meet. It depends. We uh, got about, uh, say, about solid 30 members. Whether they show up or not is rare, but we, we, it's decent. In case anybody ever wants to see you guys or, or talk to you guys about a meeting or check into your club, how do they get a hold of you guys? Uh, we're big on Instagram. Uh, we have a Facebook page. Those are the two places you can contact me, or if you can find me in any other way, you're happy to do so. Our Instagram is at Ventura County Vicks, and so is our Facebook. We meet at um, Supercar Sunday, the first Sunday of every month. 
Uh, we meet at the Starbucks at 5422 Topanga Canyon every time at 6.30 in the morning. So if you want to see us, meet us there. We'll be there. And people who have similar cars, they want to get involved. If you've got a cop car, if you've got a heavy car in a full frame, if you've got a car with spotlights, um, anything with a cool service history, if it's a VIC, if it's not a VIC, you're welcome to show up. Chase Rubin of Ventura County VICs. Our pal Fireball Tim Lawrence stopped by the Talking About Car Studios along the Miracle Mile in the holiday spirit. Not only did he leave some gifts for the holidays, but he also told us of some ingenious gifts he has for the car guy, car gal, car kid, or even car grandparent in your family. Fireball, plug away. Our event, our Christmas show, Wheels and Waves, that's happening at the Malibu Country Mart, December 17th. Very excited about that because, well, you know, I, I'm, I guess I'm excited. I'm not sure if you're coming yet because if you are. I just found out about it. <laughs> so that, that I'm, but you are every third Sunday. Every third Sunday, every yes. third Sunday. But what we do have going on is we do have Santa Claus appearing and he's coming in a cool car. From what I've heard, it's been a, it's a, a convertible Cadillac, I, I think. Uh, but he can't confirm. Obviously, he's got a lot to do. He's got a lot to do this year, but he was so gracious to give us some time. He's going to come by early in the morning, 7 to 9 a.m. in the morning, and uh, grace us with his presence, maybe give out some gifts. We'll see how that goes. We also have the drag team. I don't know if you are familiar with these guys up in Oxnard. They're bringing a couple of uh, custom cop cars, which is very cool. I even had a talk with Gary Wells, if you're familiar with who Gary is Absolutely. and his incredible cars. Mm-hmm. He may be swinging by. So we always get some really neat things and, and uh, great celebrities. You know, out of nowhere, we get Dick Van Dyke walking in. He hung out with for two hours. We've had Keanu Reeves. Lots of really great uh, people coming in. And this goes on every third Sunday, not necessarily just in December. I mean, this will continue on. So if you miss it in December, that's going to be going on. Although I can't vouch for the Santa Claus showing up in January or February. But you, you get the you idea. You never know. He might show up in uh, in trunks or something it that, is malibu that would work you know but like, like you said it is every third sunday and uh it's one of the only shows other than the peterson where it's free coffee and uh and everybody gets a free hot wheels and and speaking of free hot wheels like how i i did that i did good segue I, I did a segue you have a future I have, in radio i got a little bit of mopar for you Ooh, yeah it's right there uh, this this is a 68 plymouth barracuda formula s just for you buddy wow Thank you. Thank you. And for those of you who are hearing this in, in um, February or March, I enjoyed this in December. It's very cool. Thank you so much. It's the first gift of the year for me. That's and how long it's going to take to edit this piece? Is, yeah. It pro- yeah. No, it won't. This, this, will, this piece will actually go on Thursday. This is short turnaround for Fantastic. you, so this is good. Well, I haven't even Excellent. gotten to, I got to the show plug, but we we got to talk about the Christmas stuff. Right. So, okay, so that's the show. There are other things you have that would be perfect for a Christmas, Hanukkah, or gift giving. Very excited. You know, the I think the important thing with gifts is that low low price point, high usage value. You know, when you can spend a little bit of money, but someone really loves that thing and spends a lot of time with it, that's that's always a cool gift for me. It's someone who thought a little bit about it, but then you, you can permeate your life for a period of time. And that's why we started doing kids' books. Uh, we have coloring books and learning books and things like that. And I brought you a little stack here. The newest one is uh, the Beach Life coloring book, because we are in Malibu. Our show, the vlog, Fireball Malibu vlog, is Cars and Beach Life. So, uh, you know, I would be in big trouble if I did some kids' books that were 
just cars all the time. And for those of you who don't know, which, and if you don't, I can't imagine why, what you've been doing, but Fireball Tim has been around to the point where he's designed cars, he's driven in cars, he is a very talented artist, and he's been able to put together not only coloring books from all sorts of subjects, he's got uh, the custom car book, he's got a beach life book because you live in Malibu, you live the dream, you play the dream, and of course, you also uh, do Wacky States. Tell me a little about how Wacky States got involved. Yeah, it's, that's really actually fascinating because I, I had a meeting with the head of the Los Angeles School Board. And when in that during that conversation, he was telling me the the experiences he was having because he was you know bobbing around each school and talking to the kids and talking to the to the uh, teachers and saying you know what are fundamental problems that you have in in the education resource and and the number one thing that he noticed with kids that were 10, 11 years old is they 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 didn't actually know either the name of the state that they lived in or the name of the country, let alone the name of the any other states or the capitals, or anything, the th- stuff that you and I, growing up, you know, I always found it fascinating to memorize all the capitals and learn the state, you know, flowers and, and trees and things like that. This is what you did before uh, text right. messages. Exactly, mm-hmm. exactly. So, you know, he said to me, without really talking, he didn't know that I had books or even what I did, but uh, he said to me, if there was just one book out there that was clear and visual and fun for kids to learn so that they could they could read up and they could see you know, all the different uh, aspects between each individual state, learn some facts about the state, that would be great. So I decided, you know, literally right then and there, I got home and I was started drawing right away. And about about a month and a half later, uh, what was born was the big book of Wacky States. And it was it's a, a book that, that not only teaches and is a great learning aspect because you, you learn the, everything from the shapes of the states to the trees and the capitals and things like that, but also fun, wacky facts, you know, wacky facts that you wouldn't necessarily know about any particular state, you know, and uh, I always kind of felt that that was fun. And then each state is themed as a vehicle. Hmm. So, you know, right now I'm looking at Louisiana and it's a it's a vehicle that looks like it's built out of trumpets and it's being driven by crawdads. And the wacky fact is uh, the crawf- it, it, that Louisiana is the crawfish capital of the world. That's true. You know? That is true. Like, I'm not really sure they would ever want to go anywhere else because it's such a great place, you know. <laughs> <laughs> but, well, know, the nightlife's a lot better than some places, I'll <laughs> right. tell you that. Yeah, so, you know, it's, it was a neat uh, opportunity to do some kind of learning book. And uh, I showed it to him later. He thought it was great. We're in the process of getting into the school board. and um, But and, that actually sounds like something, especially because you put it into cars, that just car people would get a kick oh, yeah. out of. Yeah, it is. And, and I just I figured, you know, what would I buy? You know, I'm, I'm passionate about cars. Worked in the film industry designing cars that uh, that are character cars, and that's what I like. Like, if Dwayne Johnson was a car, what would he look like? He wouldn't be a Volkswagen Bug, obviously. He'd be a Chevelle or something that they've chosen for him in the past. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, Batman has the Batmobile. But if Crawdads had a car... You know what would they be driving if uh, if a beluga whale just happened to be driving by? What would he be driving? So you know, I like that thematics of that. I'm thinking it would probably be a, a late '50s Lincoln, because that sucker was as big as a whale. Well, I'm going to tell you, <laughs> it's a, it's actually a custom '51 Chevy pickup. Ah, you know, there you go. So uh, and that comes from Vermont. The uh, the wacky fact: Montpellier is the largest producer of maple syrup in the U.S. Did I, you know that? I might have known that, but that is an interesting fact. Pretty, I, pretty delicious. I couldn't connect the whale with the truck, though, but that's really cool. It's just random, man. It's random. You know, and, and I think kids enjoy that. Um, it's uh, fish-out-of-water design is what it is. And, uh, you know, it's it's neat to be able to put those components together. And when, when my son was a kid, we played a, a game called—we called it Blab Night. 
and uh, blab night. Blab night. Okay. And around the table, we would come up with these wacky scenarios, and and we would say things like, if uh, if a dolphin was uh, was driving by, what would he be driving? Or or if uh, uh, if you had some kind of submarine that you know that you were taking out in the ocean, you know, what would it look like? And and kind of get those creative juices flowing. And as a result, now we did did those things for years. He's now a sculptor in the film industry. And he just finished working on uh, a big Marvel film, uh, I think it was Black Panther, which he's working on. So, you know, when you cultivate creativity with kids, then they, they grow up understanding that creativity is easy and that they want to express that. And that makes people happy. And your your family's really creative, too. I mean, your wife, Kathy, uh, if anybody's ever seen that commercial where uh, Angelica Houston's walking around looking like a dollar oh, sign, yeah. you know, <laughs> the, and, and that's the one... Uh, as she's walking out from behind the curtain and she's wearing the dollar sign as she walks out, your wife yep. actually produced that it costume. It plays over and over and over. Had I only gotten residuals for that one, it would have been <laughs> awesome. Um, but she also, you know, if you watch The Ellen Show, if you watch uh, The Ellen Show, she, uh, Ellen does the 12 Days of Gifts. Uh, sometime, I guess this year was 13 days. And there's a mascot that brings those gifts out every single time. For the last 15 years, Kathy has built that mascot. And it's a, I think it's a reindeer this time that was named Vixen, and she would come out and push all the gifts out and come and dance and do all this stuff. Little known tidbit, it's actually a guy wearing the costume. So, hmm. you know, that's that's pretty cool. But, yeah, she does that. But that's a good segue, too, because uh, one of the things she does on top of the costumes when in her free time, and we're actually building this as a, a side product business for uh, for the vlog and, and that side of our entertainment company, is that she is a, an incredible sculptor and has been an incredible sculptor in the film industry, but she has sculpted um, uh, unique cast soaps that are Beach Life soaps, and that's what I'm here to give you. I have oh. a gift for you for Christmas, which is... A tiki soap on a rope. Oh, my gosh. Look at this. This me, soap let's... will last eight months. My wife will go nuts. Honey, I have something for you. This now, is a very I nice... have something for her. Oh, you a do. starfish. Have, you have a starfish, and this is half a tiki. Well, actually, it's not half a tiki. It's a full tiki. That's that's kind of cool. Thank you so much. Take a whiff. They smell incredible. And, uh, and we're going to be uh, launching this early next year. I smell... S- what lime and yeah. I'm not I'm not trying to in, insinuate anything. Here, everybody, Randy, get close to your car. But do, if you're driving, don't do this. But sniff. I mean, this is pretty cool. You're I'm sure a wonderful smelling guy, but this can only enhance things. Exactly. It's a well. I'm hoping Smellovision is right here on uh, Radio.com yeah. and uh, iTunes, and hopefully you could do that. But this is very cool. And and for some reason, uh, guys appreciate the fact that they don't have to bend over to pick up their soap. You know what I mean. That's so, right. So that's a good thing. It's you, the soap on a rope. It hangs from the uh, the shower head, and you know you just don't have to. I started immediately worry. thinking of Martin Mull. <laughs> Mayonnaise and rope. I think I could and sell those from in, the in, uh, in the prisons really well. They would probably go off really well. So. Yes. <laughs> that's very neat. So of the things you have in the uh, wide, wide world of your vlog, Fireball Tim's vlog, you have the coloring books. Right. Is she selling these soaps, or is this, this something? The, these are, uh, she's been developing, she's got about 21 designs, mm-hmm. everything from uh, fish and starfish and beach life stuff. And we're launching this the beginning of next year, but we're not launching it as an as an online business yet. What we're going to do, because we do so many physical shows between the Wheels and Waves, and I probably do 50, 60 shows a year, is we're going to start having tables and selling them at the shows, 
because we know that those people who come to um, come to the show, they're into car culture, and and tiki is a big part of of that subculture. Um, we also have skull and crossbones. We have things that I think a lot of those guys that are builders, especially the guys in Ventura area. You could make a Mopar soap. Oh yeah, totally. You know, she or can a sculpt Ford it. or a Chevy yeah. or something like that. But her process is, you know, she sculpts all of these out of clay, and then she takes molds out of them, and then and then creates uh, silicone molds. And, uh, and so we can replicate them, you know, and that tiki is a full pound. What would Mopar soap smell like um, besides burn oil? What would that do? <laughs> that I don't would know be if a gasoline-smelling soap would uh, do nah, well. But, probably uh, wouldn't. Yeah. Man, unless, you, unless you're a mechanic and yeah. you just want to smell like you just came from work. Yeah. You maybe, know. Yeah, I think it's maybe the aftermath. That, you know, once you clean your hands off and stuff, you don't want it to smell pretty good. So There you go. Volcanic pumice. There, there you go. Oh, now, nice. there's, a, there's a smell that any— um... We could little, put a little volcanic rock inside there so you get a little— <laughs> yeah, I actually thought of, of, of dipping Hot Wheels in soap and, and creating a—and um, then pouring that as a mold. So basically, you have a car mold. We have some cars that we're doing also, and you hide a, a Hot Wheels inside that so the kids can play with the soap in the tub. And then when the soap's all done, then you get a car inside. I'll I'm sure there's some soap master planner out there that's just going to take that idea and run with that. You know, by all He's means. He's taking notes. Haven't they done that something like that before where there's been soap and there's been something in it when you get to the middle of it? Yeah, yeah, usually a pumice stone or a, or a, a one of those um, brush things that, you know, I've never seen a toy, but that's possible. Yeah. yeah. It's almost like getting to the bottom of a, you know, Tootsie Roll Pop. <laughs> Except you, you know, you don't chew the soap or whatever's in between. Yeah, so. or Halloween when you get a razor blade in the apple or something like that. That's pretty good. Well, that's completely different. <laughs> <laughs> and suddenly, this podcast yeah. takes a sharp turn. Scary. Okay, uh, how would people get a hold of you if they want to partake in any of, uh, whether it be the coloring book or anything else that you are plugging today? Well, the books are available on Amazon. You can type in Fireball Tim, and you're going to see, you know, uh, I have about nine books out, so you'll see all the new kids' books and things like that. Uh, FireballTim.com is our main site, and of course, the the show Fireball Malibu Vlog, which you can subscribe on YouTube or on uh, on FireballTim.com. Uh, there's lots of ways. We're on social everywhere, as you are, and uh, we hang out together, uh, even if you come up to me at a show and uh, a car show and you say hey oh, i'd really like to have one of those books chances are i'd have one in my in my trunk at the time but uh christmas is coming up you want to make it available for kids i just want to see kids coloring and and uh and to my surprise uh, not only are the the kids enjoying this but these are actually selling into old folks homes which is really unusual. It's a, it was a, a surprise for me. But it's something that's a creative process, and, uh, and it's very peaceful to be able to color and enjoy yourself. And people keep their minds occupied and certainly get a chance to keep themselves focused on something. Absolutely, and that's something that's very important as you get older. You can listen to more of Fireball on Talking About Cars. Go to iTunes and listen to Talking About Cars number 73 on Talking About Cars Classic. Check out Fireball Tim's vlog in the meantime on FireballTim.com. And if you see him at a car show... Tell him you heard him on Talking About Cars. And now, our main guest, Candy Clark, made her acting debut in the 1972 ABC show Room 222. You remember Lloyd Haynes, Denise Nicholas, Karen Valentine, which was centered around a high school that was actually shot at Marshall High here in L.A. The next year, she played Debbie in a little movie called American Graffiti, which made the world aware of Cindy Williams, Richard Dreyfuss, Mackenzie Phillips, and certainly made a bigger star of Ron Howard. What was the first car that Candy remembers growing up? The very first car I remember growing up. Well, you know, we were poor when we were growing up, so we never had a car. 
But when I became a teenager, I loved cars, and my the car I loved the most was the Corvette. <laughs> and uh, you know, I grew up in Fort Worth, Texas, and that's the land of glittery cars and fast cars and beautiful cars. And my brother had a Nash, and it wasn't very gr glamorous. He bought that for like two hundred dollars. What kind of Nash was it? Do you remember what it looked like? It was a Rambler. <laughs> 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 that pretty much qualifies it. No, and it was beige, uh -huh. you know. But, um, yeah, we rode the bus <laughs> when we were kids. and uh, But I love Corvettes, and the more chrome, the more shine, the more glitter, the better. What year do you remember? The, what kind of Corvette? Was it uh, like the, the split window, or what do you remember? It was a white Corvette. This One of my boyfriends... I had a few, uh, had a white Corvette, and um, it was a 1965, beautiful car. Yeah. That was kind of cool, and you fit in it pretty well, and he, was he a tall guy? Yes, he was. He How did he fit in that thing? Just folded himself up and got in, hey. Um, you know, when you're a teenager, you're very, very flexible. <laughs> Discomfort does not matter. No, it's, it's the look. <laughs> as long as you're in a really cool car. <laughs> yes. Cool. So, yeah, that's the first car I really remember. Let's talk about your first car. What was your first car? My, I learned how to drive on a Volkswagen bus. So um, my first car that I got was a, a Volkswagen Bug, and I had a few of those. And then I graduated to reliability. The Bug, I tell you, the fuel line on all my Volkswagens came off and the engine caught on fire on two of them. And, yeah... They, they needed a special clamp, but I was young and dumb, and I didn't know that. But uh, now I have a Honda Accord four-door sedan. That's very stable. That is incredibly stable. Oh, tell me, but you got to tell me the, one of the stories about the Volkswagen catching on fire. Tell me about that. How did that happen? What do you remember? I had just gotten my little Volkswagen painted, and it was uh, by Earl Scheib, actually. $29.95. <laughs> and I had it painted... It went from navy blue to this beautiful root beer, uh, rusty brown. It was gorgeous, and it had just gotten painted. I was really proud. And the job was good for twenty nine ninety five. It really was. And uh, I was on the freeway, and I look in my rear view window, and there's flames <laughs> coming from behind, which, you know, the engine is in the back. And never, never a good sign. <laughs> and I'm driving along. So I see an off-ramp. And, and I, I get off and I stop at the top of the off-ramp. I didn't keep going. And I see a hose. There's a house there. And the hose is too short. So the whole engine just burns up. Meanwhile, cars are backing up behind me. I've got the whole off-ramp blocked. And, you know, it's a total disaster. Poor old car burn up right in front of everybody. Wow, and it was a Sigler. Were you famous by then? <laughs> <laughs> I don't think they had Siglerts back then, you know. But that was probably in the uh, 70s when that happened. So you say you have the Honda right now, the four-door Honda. Is that the only car you have? Yes, I only have. I like reliability. I don't like being broken down on the freeway anymore. I completely get that. <laughs> of all the cars you've had, is there any car you ever thought to yourself, boy, that'd be cool to have that car back, the one that got away? No, but I have had a few that I've admired. And for a while, I love the look of the Stutz Bearcat with, with that big old 
tire on the front, you know. <laughs> and you don't see many of those around, the Stutz Bearcats. Like the 1914 version? No, no. The or more, the newer one. They had a newer one. one. And I haven't seen one on the road in years, but boy, were they flashy. Now, who had one of those that you remember? Well, nobody I knew, but, you know, when certain uh, people, pimps, love those cars. <laughs> <laughs> Not that I know any pimps. I was but, no, of course, I never asked that. sure do love uh, a flashy car. And uh, when I lived in New York City, I used to live on the fifth floor on 34th Street. And right diagonally across from my window was a Bickford's, an all-nighter. And you would see the pimps come up with their Cadillacs with the with the uh, heart-shaped windows and the crown-shaped win back windows. And they'd get out of their car, it'd be the middle of winter. And they'd be wearing pale blue, you know, suit, a jacket with ermine going down the side and an ermine hat. And they'd be in these big old Cadillacs. And, I, you know, that was, that was A++. But I never, you know, I never went down to have breakfast with them because I didn't want to get in that side of life. No, no, probably <laughs> not a good idea under the circumstances. So you got the movie role in American Graffiti and you go on set for the first time. Did you have an idea you'd be hanging around with so many iconic cars? Well, you know, those were just used cars when we did the film. It was a low-budget film, and those were used cars, uh, just kind of off the car lot. And, um, you know, after the film was over with, they put them up for sale, and I think the white 58 went for like $250. Now it's worth, you know, thousands. And Ray Everham bought that car and restored it. Well, he did more than restore it. He made it brand new. It looks better now than it ever did off the, you know, assembly line. It's a gorgeous car. So Ray Everham gets a hold of you some way and says, I have the 58. What was your initial reaction when he got a hold of you? Well, I had heard that he had the 58. So, you know, good news like that gets out. And I knew the previous owner, and it was first put up to auction and the previous owner was asking one million dollars as the starting starting offer of course it didn't sell at auction I think Ray called the guy after the fact or he called the auction house and then he got it for a much better price than a million dollars and then he put poured a lot of money into it and it was it was uh, premiered here last year by Exalta who did the paint job and it was outside oh my gosh it it was eye-poppingly beautiful of all the cars in the movie if you could take one of them home would that be it or would well, another one well you know that 32 is pretty nice and um, oh my gosh seeing that you know people get teary-eyed when they see that 32 and there are so many clones of that 32 and there's clones of the 58 but the 32 is the iconic car the yellow one Jeff Beck uh, made a replica of that car and um, he told me I met him at one time and he told me he saw the movie 3,000 times oh to replicate that that car so he and I hear he's gonna be here at the SEMA at the banquet oh, wow. Jeff Beck's gonna be here along with Billy Gibbons and they're gonna play you know at the banquet yeah. it's gonna be quite the evening course I'm not invited I don't have a ticket to the banquet banquet but heck it's just great knowing that they're here 
And the fact that that movie still carries years later and the fact that the cars really are like fresh in everybody's mind. Well, the thing is, you know, American Graffiti uh, is a, well, it's a classic. It's in the best 100 films of all time, along with Gone with the Wind and The Wizard of Oz. And, you know, uh, it's, it's just great to be in that group. Uh, but uh, it's a film I've watched it at least 50 times. And it's like, you know, when I watch it, it's not like I'm watching myself because I'm in, you know, such deep disguise. But... Uh, <laughs> It's funny every time. It makes me laugh every time. It's so and Toad, you know, and Debbie and that relationship, and just it's just such a sweet film, and it's got great music. And you know, without graffiti being successful, George Lucas probably wouldn't have gone on to do all the Star Wars and become the billionaire that he is today. Is it? possible with everybody remaking movies nowadays could you ever see american graffiti be remade well we made a second film and nobody went to see it called more american graffiti so i really doubt if they'll do a third one uh it got a little too serious and i think people wanted basically to see the same movie you know maybe just the next night you know it got really serious it got into the vietnam war and all of this and uh, people just you know didn't care for it but when you look back on it now, you know, a little perspective, it's pretty good. The music is great. You know. Oh, absolutely. And in fact, I've got the CD at home of the American Graffiti CD. If if they did a movie on the next night, what, what would have happened to Debbie, you think? Well, she would have got picked up by someone else, I guess. <laughs> you know, as she long as... and Toad wouldn't have had a real good experience the next day. Well, Toad was sick the next day. You know, he had that hangover because he'd been throwing up the night before. And it was his first experience with liquor. He was a rank amateur. Drank, you know, I drank, Debbie drank most of the liquor, and he had a little bit. And the next thing I know, he's throwing up. And uh, Never impress a woman uh, by doing that. Yeah, it's just like, it was, it was disgusting, really. But, you know, I stood up for him. You know, some people came out, and they were saying, elderly couples said, wow, he looks like a dog. He looks like old ginger. And I said... No, he likes to drink. He told me so. You know, I tried to defend the poor guy, but it was it was terrible. Top three cars on the I Want That Car list, if you had the ability and the paycheck. Uh, well, let's see. Uh, I do like, uh, I'd like to have a Dino Ferrari, one of those little, uh, in fly yellow, a little Dino Ferrari. They're so cute. And I'd like to have one of those. And... Perhaps a luxury car, maybe a fancy, uh, I don't know, a Mercedes or something, you know, very elegant for comfort. And then, I don't know, maybe a, 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 an economy or a, a, a car for gas, you know, a battery operated, like a Prius or something like or that. Or a Tesla or something. Yeah, or t- a Tesla. Yes, a Tesla. <laughs> <laughs> I hear Tesla is if you really punch it at a starting position, you, you could go really fast, real fast. Yeah, I hear they can fly, like, through the air. And, uh, <laughs> no, those would be great. Uh, you know, I don't really like to go fast. I'm a cruiser, and I like to look at the scenery as I'm passing. I don't like that, you know, blur. If, so. if you can get a car that would go cruising, just a cruiser, an old car that you would take to Bob's Big Boy or something on a Friday night, what would that be? Well, you know, I, I would like something that's got great color from that era, maybe a pink and black 
car or a, or a black and red, you know, something that's got a lot of chrome and maybe a continental kit on the back Ooh. and then those uh, fender skirts. Yes. Oh, yeah. Let's just get the whole thing. <laughs> you get a chance to talk to so many people. I've seen you at a bunch of shows before. What's the one thing or maybe the top two things that people really want to know about the movie? Let's see. What do they really want to know? You know, they want to know about other actors. <laughs> what were they like? And they want to know, uh, was it easy to film? And, you know, most of it was very, very easy. The hardest part about shooting American Graffiti was it was night work. And uh, we worked the night shift and we stayed at the Holiday Inn. And when we were there, you know, everybody was up and not us, we were trying to sleep, but the rest of the people staying at the Holiday Inn were, you know, banging their car door shut and splashing in the pool. So it was really hard to get any sleep. But uh, we worked long hours and it was very, very cold. We shot up in Petaluma, California, and I had that little spaghetti strap dress. And thank God I thought ahead enough to get a sweater so I could wear that, but it was frigid. Well, Mel's was in San Francisco, so... Um, and there really was a Mel's. There was a beautiful drive-in Mel's in San Francisco on uh, near the freeway. It was on Mission and Van Ness. And it later they sold that lot and they knocked it down and it became a parking lot. And then the last time I saw it, it was a parking lot with a bank on it. And I don't know what it is now, but I haven't been by. But they still have a little Mel's diner on Geary Street in San Francisco. Good milkshakes. Yeah, absolutely. Your latest project, I understand, because I checked my IMDb. Your latest project? One that people might have seen is a, is a TV series called Twin Peaks, and I was just on that. I've heard of it. Yeah, that was, uh, I think it was on in August or something. But I did two episodes in that, and then I did another film called Cold Moon, which just got released, I guess, on pay-for-view or whatever. But yeah. You know, I still do a few things, so I stay busy doing hot rod shows and this and that. Well, you must love the fact that all these years later, people are still into this thing. Thank goodness. <laughs> Actress Candy Clark. Remember, you can get our newest podcasts on Radio.com and iTunes. And remember not only to subscribe, but write a review on iTunes as well. Our website is TalkingAboutCars.net, and if you want to send us an email, it's TalkingAboutCars at gmail.com. Until next time, I'm Randy Cardoon. Join me as we have some fun talking about cars.